Did you hear about the new restaurant they've built on the moon? No? Well, the food is fantastic, but the problem is they don't have any atmosphere. What? Oh, welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small business owners who are rising from recession. And our guest this week, well, this is the red house that Beef built. This is Small Business Celebration. Join us as we learn from successful business owners and successful business leaders about who they are, from where their business has grown, what they have learned, and where their successful business is going. I'm your host, Michael I. Roberts, and we're going to learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Debbie Weiss, the president and co-owner of Red House Beef. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you for having me. For visioners who don't know who you are, who are you and what is it that you do? My name is Debbie Weiss, and I'm the president and co-owner here at Red House, and we are a pasture-based uh, ranching program, raising pasture-raised beef and poultry and a variety of other farm provisions. We are currently in the middle of a cow pasture, which is kind of apropos for what we're doing here for what our interview is. And if you happen to hear traffic in the background, because we're not that far off of Enos Lane, we are, if you hear aircraft, if you hear <laughs> helicopters, if you hear the bird or the cow, that's because we are once again in the middle of a cow pasture. First of all, most small business owners start a business to solve a problem. Why did you get into the cattle business? Sue, for me, I am a farmer's wife of 20 years and as my, I was raising my family, my youngest daughter is 15 now and she has Down syndrome and a variety of autoimmune including celiac disease. And I think for me, my journey, um, livestock has always been my passion and agriculture obviously, but as I began to focus more on nutrition and feeding her and feeding my family. I started to notice some gaps in the industry that were accessible here mm. in our community. Right. And a series of events kind of came together, including the timing on this plot of land we sit on, along with some other um, kind of God orchestrated <laughs> events behind me that uh, one door opened to another. And here I stand today that filling the void of wanting to put a certain meat product back into the community. It can be a real challenge, especially if you do have a special needs child like yourself, but for a lot of people, they can go to the grocery store and they're not really sure what it is they're buying when it right. comes to the beef that they get. And for that matter, the chickens that you also right. have. What makes the beef that you have so different than most of the store-bought beef that most people buy? So obviously our finishing process, grass versus grain, mm. really is um, one of the key differences. Right. But I understand that not all grass is the same because I, I've had a lot of grass <laughs> beef and it's not really very good, but right. yours is. What makes yours different? So that was probably a lot of that Y component is um, being the side of the farming knowledge that I had as well, right. I did not believe that to have the 
animal raised in a pasture setting and finished in grass met, I had to sacrifice mm. tenderness, off flavor, some of those things. I really felt like there was a way that those could be combined. And that's a lot of what this facility did. It was how we finished on the grass, the type of grasses, our process. So, you know, we had kind of a three pillar model. Um, obviously the end pillar of it was a quality product that you liked because the customer's gonna give you one shot based on all the things I tell them I do. Right. It's not very good. Right, they're not gonna come back. It's hard to get them to come back. <laughs> so we wanted to combine our regenerative practices um, with our series of animal husbandry skills into a product that was quality. And we really set out to bridge those three things. Right. And I think in the end, we've done a good job of putting a grass finished product on the table that's still well marbled, mild flavored, mm. and very tender. And a lot of that is the process here of how we do that. For you personally, this land that we're standing upon holds very special meaning because you had your eye on this property <laughs> for quite some time. And why here? So, when my husband and I began um, farming with Keith and Jennifer Gardner uh, mm. in the early 2000s, um, I think my husband's relationship with Keith started in 99. Right. And as we came here, uh, this was our first corner that my husband and I personally farmed um, on our very own as well as with Keith and Jennifer. And um, so we were here and we helped the original man that ended up coming in and buying this facility. He was a dairy vet. Uh, we kind of helped him start right. to grow pasture things. He just wanted to understand beef cattle from dairy cattle. Right. So we were kind of along the process. We farm all around it. And so in 2012, we kind of lost this particular piece, but we were part of the journey. Uh, my husband and Keith helped him establish it. I don't think we ever realized in 2012 that it would come full circle back into our operation. But the day my husband came home and said, Mr. Blackamere is retiring and he's gonna sell the ranch. I mean, instantly I was, I was in the throes of my daughter's journey and we were raising cow-calf operation, raising cattle. And I was trying to figure out how we were gonna bridge this. And I knew this is where I needed to be. And I sat down with Keith and Jordy and said, will you trust me? I'm ready to come back in the game. I have a vision here. And, uh, they and here we are. Me, and here we are. I think they thought, we'll give her a shot. If all else fails, it'll connect to the orchards you see around us. Um, <laughs> but they trusted me and they gave me a shot. And here we are. Uh, and if visionaries want to come here to Red House Beef to see how your, your beef is so different and so tasty from everybody else, how do they do that? So you can find us on our website or you can actually visit directly right here on the farm. Every Friday afternoon and Saturday morning, we're full of people coming out that want to visit with us, talk about, see the farm. Transparency was a huge part of my model because that's mm. something I was looking for. Um, I really wanted it to be a spot to educate and showcase agricultural practices. Mm -hmm. um, you can look us up at redhousebeef.com and if you email us there, we're a small team. It really is myself or my <laughs> farm really manager, Maddie. Uh, so we are the responders and you can send us a message right through that or, or follow us on our social media. And what is your email address? 
We are info at redhousebeef.com. And where, what's the address of this wonderful location? You can find location? us right here at 649 Enos Lane in Bakersfield. And if people want to find you on social media, how do they do that? We are on Facebook and Instagram at Red House Beef. And if you enjoy Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify. And when we come back, we are going to delve into something that most business owners face. It's the insurmountable task against the insurmountable object to do big and better things. <laughs> any aim you have in any area of your life can be enhanced with better leadership and communication skills. And there is no better place to learn leadership and communication skills than your local Toastmasters Club. My name is Kirkland Tibbles, and I've been a Toastmaster for 42 years. And I'm here to tell you, the supportive and fun environment of Toastmasters is a great place to learn. Come join us, won't you? You won't regret it. Toastmasters, the fun and relaxed group of leaders who will help you get ahead. Go to toastmasters.org and click on the Find a club button and set your business ahead of COVID and ahead of your competition. Go to Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button. That's Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button today. We're here with Debbie Weiss, the president and co-founder of Red House Beef. And our visionary question comes from Jasmine who asks, now that the economy is about to open back up from COVID, we want to come out with a new product. What have you learned that we need to watch out for from a labor perspective to create, launch, and sell that new product? Labor is obviously a huge challenge, especially in any small business. Right. Um, COVID has compounded that. Mm. Um, for me, one of the biggest things for labor, and I've been really fortunate even through COVID to keep my team, um, is how we sought out choosing our labor. Mm. We really believed in um, our model, a culture, and being true to who and what we were. Mm -hmm. No gimmicks. And so for us, we didn't have a lot of success looking for labor, like just posting job ads, things like that. That's never really gone well. Most all of, um, like for instance, my ranch manager, Maddie, um, who I couldn't, I mean, she is and she's my right gem. hand. She's, she she's is, fantastic. She is my right hand for sure. Um, were recommendations through collaboration, other business partnerships, people that really had aligned with us mm. and knew what we were looking for and made a recommendation of someone who really felt would embrace our culture or add a dynamic to our culture. So that's a lot of how we've sought out our people. Mm -hmm. um, and with that has been, it's been a lot easier to stay true to what products we launch, like mm. the authenticity behind what we are. Um, we it's it's been really important for me to stay true to why i created this mm, spot mm -hmm. so it's you know there's a lot of buzzwords there's a lot of different things out there it's easy to get in the middle of of some of that but if it's not true if it's not really what you are or what you believe in it's really hard long term to keep that energy and sustain right. that product so we were really about our process, how we right. did our process, what we didn't sacrifice with. We're not for everybody. And one of the things I quickly learned was it's okay to fire a customer. <laughs> okay. I know that's a hard thing to say, but we weren't going to conform just because of what someone else wanted. Mm. You know, we, we are a product and a, a niche facility and philosophy, and we had to be true to who we were. 
Right. Um, we pride ourselves on our customer service and right. those relationships, but we can't be all over the board with those relationships. And so, you know, there's been times with vendors or people that it isn't a match and that's okay to say, we're not a match. You're right. better sure. off choosing someone else. And I think when you learn that as a business owner and you let go of being so insecure about that, right. it's kind of freeing and you realize like it gives you room to be you and, and, and be what you're trying to provide. You are facing a very daunting task that's coming up, and that is processing the beef. Yeah. And this has been another problem that you're trying to solve, and something that's very unique to this part of California. Tell us, first of all, very briefly, what is that need, and why are you trying to fill it? So for us, um, one of our pinch points we knew with growth if we got momentum was going to be using a USDA federally inspected facility. Mm. Um, you know, the movement in raising produce and CSAs and things is one thing, but it, when you're a protein product, there's this big federal right, <laughs> level sure. of um, process in your harvest right. and fabrication. So getting that live animal broken down into those cuts you see in the store. And there are very few. I believe there are approximately 25 federally inspected facilities in the state of California. Those that, include the teaching universities and those include your Cargills, your, your big facilities that right. aren't open to growers like us. Right. Um, and for us, nothing sits within two hours oh. of this circle. Why is that two hour circle so important? Is it because the beef degrades at that point too much? Or no, how does that work? I, you know, it, there, it goes back to its cost. Transportation mm. is mm. added cost when we're driving. Right. When you're a small facility taking small loads, I mean, every week we're going and coming, going and coming, trying to get product delivered to be harvested and that cut and wrap product back into our facility. Um, on top of it, for me, more regionally close would be better with our animal husbandry you know the right. the less movement the less stressful the better end product that results um but then a labor and cost standpoint as well um it, it's a lot of added expense creating a facility like this <laughs> is a daunting task yes, very sir. briefly tell <laughs> us why what is the process for putting this together so trying to get a um harvest and processing facility um, is not an easy task. It's mm. expensive and it is a big undertaking, not just from the USDA side and meeting their deal, but it takes a lot of thoughtful planning mm. of how you're going to mitigate all that and do it um, to a standard that is going to be a positive impact on your community and the environment. And so um, I will tell you when I started here, that is not something I thought that would be my direction. Um, it is now one of the most scary and exciting things as a leader and as we're looking at integration and moving forward right. that I'm taking on. But, um, you know, to grow, that's the need. And not only can we fill my void, but hopefully I can fill voids for other growers like us. What you're experiencing is something that a lot of business owners feel when they're taking over a mammoth task that they have never done before. Right. How are you as a business owner when the cameras are turned off, <laughs> when the employees are gone, and maybe it's just you, maybe it's just you and your husband, how are you 
processing the the stress levels and the 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 added pressure that's upon <laughs> you to deal with something of this magnitude so my husband might feel differently about how i'm <laughs> handling my stress levels because typically when we come home at night he farms i ranch so we go like this in the day right uh when i come home at night because he is kind of my mentor and my person as well i process by wanting to unload think through plan um that's probably a lot on him after a long day because he gets <laughs> all my like throwing everything out there but he's really good you know i i talk about we have a lot of 5 a.m coffee time together in the mornings before we go and I think for me, one of the things I do is throw a lot of my, all the different ways, what I'm doing, my anxiety, good, bad, when I'm a little bit elevated about something, worried. He's really good at putting, bringing me down and putting it systematically mm. into a thought process and back it up. You know, Rome isn't built in a day. So he's very good. He's, he's been doing this a long time, you know, and so um, he's been through a lot of growth things that are maybe fresher to me as a leader. So he really helps ground me, step back, keep it systematic, decompress. Um, and then I, we love to hunt, we love to fish, we love to do outdoor activities. So sometimes it's just literally walking away, turning those things off, no work conversations, finding something else to do in life. And those days really help to, to just walk away from it all for a little bit. The reason we're here with Debbie Wise and Red House Beef is because we got a question from a visioner just like you. That visioner reached out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and wanted to find out if there was a small business owner that was developing and growing a very successful beef industry business. And here we are. So if you've got a question, a person, a thought that you want to learn about, reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and let us know what you want to learn, who you want to learn from, so that we can share that here on Small Business Celebration. So reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. We're here with Debbie Weiss, the president and co-founder of Red House Beef, and our visionary question comes from George who asks, we understand that money should be spent in an effort to make more money. What method have you found that works in looking at each expenditure to make sure that happens? So I think most importantly, especially as a small business owner, you put a lot of hats on. Mm. Um, I'm definitely a production field person, mm -hmm. but nobody, knows your business or watches your dollar like you. Right. So for me, it was really important to be willing to look, go back and look at those numbers, take this time. Sometimes it's not always fun. Right. Um, when we started shipping, we just went with it and didn't do a lot of cost analysis mm. into it. Shipping perishable foods is very expensive on a small farm, but yet it's a very necessary means of growth and the way, especially with COVID, this industry's going. Right. The first time I sat down with my group and we really broke out our shipping costs and dove <laughs> into it, we were like, oh, oh boy. man, this is bad. <laughs> we need to back up, you know, right? how do we, so it, so we really had to go, okay, from prices of boxes, dry ice, liners. I mean, you would never realize how expensive liners are <laughs> in a box. Like, um, 
And had we not taken that time, we would have just kept going and we were just drowning in those fees, just eating away at that profit margin on something that seemed so simple and minor in the thing. But all that stuff adds up in a very big one very quickly. And when you're starting out in a small business, you know, it's not necessarily monster margins or lots of things, especially as a startup, labor, other things. Um, And you think about those costs, but you don't always dive into some of the other numbers. Um, So for us, it's for our team, we're really big on taking that time that I step in those numbers. I'm not a CFO. I'm not a fancy Excel person. (laughs) If you looked at my Excel sheets, you'd be like, I'm not totally sure what you're following. But that's something I do for me. I watch those numbers. I document those costs. It's critical for that for me. What are the other crucial aspects to the development of your business has been mentorship? And you briefly mentioned Keith Gardner in the first segment. Why, in addition to your husband, is having those two as mentors so important to you in your business? So, obviously, my husband brings a lot of experience. He's my best friend and my business partner. But um, I've really valued my journey and what I've learned from Keith. Mm. Um, I am really eager to dive in, energetic, and I would say that being um, communicating, talking, I'm always ready for those type of things. Uh, And he's a good listener. And that's Mm. one of the skills I've learned from him as a leader is to sometimes step back. You don't always have to fill that void in conversation with something, silence is okay. Learning to listen and and evaluate. um, And then I I think also one of the things that um, he really inspires me on, he's always a visionary. Like he's always looking at a bigger project. He's not afraid of things to Mm. go out on a limb, even when it's scary. Even if it's a big processing, meat processing. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. He supported that crazy idea with me too. Um, So I've learned a lot of just how to surround myself with the team. He's done an incredible job of surrounding himself with people that feel his voids Mm. or his weaknesses with strengths. And so I've really tried to embrace that model always be willing to ask questions and seek knowledge, not being afraid of those things. Image, especially for any business, I should say, is key. <laughs> and you are investing a, a tremendous amount of resources into the image for Red House Beef. What are you doing and what is working for you? When we started, we made a commitment to marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, That was something we knew was going to be important to us long term and developing that image. And that isn't our forte. So Mm. one, we sought out and we looked at a variety of firms and went through a variety of people. And there again, when I talk about like collaboration or people I I like to work with, they have to kind of have the same vibe or embrace what I'm doing. And um, we from the get go uh, really said we're going to put a budget and a focus on having a high level marketing for a small facility. Because if we're gonna grow, if we're going to reach that national audience in a direct to consumer product, branding is huge. It's huge, exactly. And it's often something I think we overlook Mm -hmm. um, in a small business, because you think I'll get to that cost or do that later. (laughs) And it's hard to ever get that momentum. Um, So we really set out on a mission to 
spend some upfront money to brand us, even when maybe it didn't make sense to the quantity we were shipping at the time. Now, four and a half years later, that's, that's meld and we're really excited that that's all molded and come together. Um, and we have a national audience and I'm grateful for that early time because it set that presence. And, you know, we chose to work with Shannon at Purveyor House. And what I love is when we started, she was kind of at the start of her career in branding right. and she was really passionate about investing in branding mm. and yourself. So I think it's been a fun exercise. I would definitely tell you that she's part of the Red House family. Um, and so, we really developed a great relationship with her team and set out on an, a mission of what I wanted to say and portray and how we got it out there. And we have found that that's been really beneficial for us. Maybe not in year one or year two, but as we've hit year three, year four, as we hit COVID, we were really grateful for that investment because developing a social media platform, I mean, it's one thing to have Instagram and you put pictures of your family. Things. Right. To use, you know, LinkedIn and Pinterest and Instagram and your website as marketing online tools, that's a whole different beast. TikTok, all these things, there's a lot to all that. Absolutely. And um, for us, that is really our audience. You know, you say it's free advertising to use social media. Yes and no, it's not because getting the product up there that looks well is not free. It's not free. <laughs> and reaching out to all those followers is not easy no, or free it's, either. It's time and energy and investment creating all that content, putting it together in a cohesive manner. And for a, a, a product like ours and for um, what we are, our consumer wants to follow us. They want to know, they want to trust us. Right. They want to be part of our family. We use that slogan a lot, the Red House family. But that's why people invest their money in my product because they trust my story. They want to come along this farm journey with me and in return, they trust me to feed their family. And, and that's a big deal. And um, that's really our how we market. Most successful business owners read. What are you reading right now? So I went a little out of characteristic for me. And uh, one, I like audiobooks over reading because I drive a lot uh, between the mountain here and all the locations. So I just finished listening to A Girl, Wash Your Face okay. by Rachel Hollis. All right. And what's so special about that book? You know, for me, I liked it because I don't always do a lot of women empowerment books. That's mm. not always me, but I really liked the fact that she was okay to be a woman leader, to be a mom, to be a family, to mm. have a career, to be comfortable in wearing mini hats and do right. that. So for me, it was kind of a fresh, just good reassuring thing. I have a daughter finishing her senior year and one at home and a lot of growth in our business. And so you get pulled a lot of directions as a working mom. Right. And so it was fun to just listen to her say that's okay it's okay to be present here it's okay to want that for yourself and so i really enjoyed that and she reads it i love audiobooks where it's their the author's voice right because i think it sheds a lot into their tone and how they read things and you kind of get immersed in the the feelings of it and one i think being your own business owner has its positives because i'm not punching someone else's clock but in return there's somebody that's got to fill in and get things done because there isn't someone punching a clock in certain aspects. So you can almost work too much. It's a lot of juggling act, but for me, I've really um, 
made it important that my family is part of this operation. My daughter works here a lot. Um, the kids come here. Um, I come and go. I don't feel guilty when there's a swim meet or something that I'm going to walk away from and that's okay. I can return an email tomorrow, you know, and I often tell people we're not a big corporation with like a Google help desk. So I'm sorry if it was 24 hours later, we do pride ourselves on customer service, but we're still a family and you might visit me on the farm and you might see my kids roll in or you might have my daughter sitting behind the counter, but that's how we wear those hats and make it all work. And if visionaries want to come here to Red House Beef, how do they do that? 649 Enos Lane in Bakersfield. Um, you can look us up at redhousebeef.com. And if you email us there, we are info at redhousebeef.com. If people want to find you on social media, how do they do that? We are on Facebook and Instagram at Red House Beef. Debbie? This has been a real treat. Thank you very much for being on Small Thank Business Hour. Thank you for Hour. having me. And I will have my final thought for you when we come right back. Any aim you have in any area of your life can be enhanced with better leadership and communication skills. And there is no better place to learn leadership and communication skills than your local Toastmasters Club. My name is Kirkland Tibbles, and I've been a Toastmaster for 42 years. And I'm here to tell you, the supportive and fun environment of Toastmasters is a great place to learn. Come join us, won't you? You won't regret it. Toastmasters, the fun and relaxed group of leaders who will help you get ahead. Go to Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button and set your business ahead of COVID and ahead of your competition. Go to Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button. That's Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business. <laughs>